Uh, this morning, we just finished our glory series uh, the last couple, we- last handful of weeks, and so this, we're going we're gonna to spend a little focus, but first I want to I wanna divulge some information to you. So my, um, my freshman year of high school, back, back in the day, my first semester of freshman year in high school, I got a 1.3 GPA. Yes, one person congratulated me on that. Uh, and, and he's probably a golfer and knows that the low score is best. That's not the case in grades. Uh, 1.3 GPA, just so you know, uh, a one, uh, uh, that's a D level. So four, if, you're, if you got kids now, it's all numbers. It's like no letters. But A is 4.0, B is 3.0, C is 2.0. D, D grades are 1.0. And so... Going based on that, my first year of my freshman year in high school, I had many grades that fell below the level of a D. And I had very few grades that fell above the high, the, the upper, above a D level grade. Okay? Now, I, I, I have to say this because in eighth grade, I was actually a straight A student. Math student of the year, even. So I say that because I don't want you to just check out the rest of the message and be like, dude, 1.3 in high school? Like, what has this guy got to say? Uh, I did get it straight A's in middle school. But what had happened for me is I kind of, in a sense, uh, had lost my way, had lost my focus. Uh, my desire to do well in school had gone out the door. Um, and uh, I, some of the uh, contributing factors could have been or might or might not have been girls in baseball and and things like that. Um, But that being said, I worked hard, lethargically and mediocrely for the rest of my high school uh, days to climb my way back up to a 3.1 GPA the first semester of my senior year. And then after that, senior year, I just kicked in, and we don't need to talk about that. But uh, based on those grades, based on those grades, I obviously wasn't a front runner for an Ivy League school or really any, uh, any big university. Uh, and so I enrolled at Shoreline Community College, the Dolphins. I was a dolphin. Uh, funny, I actually took some classes at Whatcom Community College later, later, later on when we moved up here, and they're the Orcas. So I'm dolphin and Orcas. Uh, anyways, uh, sidetrack. <laughs> at least that's not on here. Uh, but I remember that first year of Shoreline Community College, and uh, I actually won an attendance award at community college. Uh, my English teacher made this award up just for me because I was the only one that attended every single English class that first semester at Shoreline Community College. I was the only one in the class that did that. And so what had kind of shifted for me is that I had started to pay for my own schooling. And in doing that, I took a different mindset on it. But... Um, and I, I may or may not have gotten made fun of by other classmates because I attended every single English class in college uh, for that first semester. But what, what, what kind of, the next semester I had to sign up to take my PE credits. And so if you know in college you've got to take like a certain number of English courses and a certain number of science and math to meet all the prerequisites. And I had signed up to take uh, my PE credits. And so, uh, and I, at the time, I had finished four years of baseball at Edmonds Woodway High School, and 
thought, oh, you know what, for my PE class, to get those credits taken care of, I'll take, I, I, I don't know, I probably wasn't baseball 101, but it was a baseball course. I was like, oh, that'll be fun. I know baseball, uh, so whatever, I'll take that. So I show up to the first day of class, and there's 20 or so of us that are in that class, and uh, some look like baseball players. Some were obviously not baseball players. Um, there were both boys and girls in that class, and that isn't at the time Girls weren't playing boys' sports, and boys weren't playing girls' sports, so it was a little different back then. Um, but uh, I remember that, and, and, and it was just a mixed bunch, and it was obvious that some of the kids in there maybe had never played baseball in their life. And um, I remember sitting down for that first class, and the teacher comes in late, uh, and there's not much of an introduction at all. And he opens up a syllabus, and he reads the requirements for the class. And the requirements were you must attend every in-person class here uh, in Baseball 101. I'm just going to call it that. You must bring a glove to class, and you must bring a bat. And I was like, oh, I don't think, I, I think I'm pretty confident I can say not everybody in the class had a glove. And you have to bring a bat to class, which, I don't know. Nowadays, that, like, wouldn't even be safe. Um, but... Uh, and it was obvious not everybody had a bat that they would bring to class either. And then also in the syllabus was you had to attend all six tryouts for the Shoreline Community College Dolphins baseball team. And so you had to try out for the team. You had to do the tryouts and, and do all the, you know, infield drills and hitting and, all, and he's like laying this out. Uh, and then at the start of the season, after cuts were made, whether you made the class or not, you had to attend all SCC Dolphin home baseball games. And so I'm like, wow. Okay, so me and baseball, uh, I was decent at baseball uh, in that I played varsity, but I, got, I played left field and got DH'd for. So that if you know baseball, you're like, oh, okay. So you were like, all right. Um, you don't DH left fielders. They're usually power hitters. But I was fast. I had a good arm. Uh, and what had happened was, in enrolling in this course, uh, I had a sense, uh, obviously, uh, this class was created as what they call a slider course for the baseball players to fulfill credits at the community college so that they could, you know, have a course where they would just do whatever they want and they would get their credits and the coach would pass them and, and all that kind of stuff. At Shoreline Community College, this was the thing. So you can only imagine if you broadcast that out over anyways. Um, but uh, also the coach had heard and seen the register and had seen that I, Jason Manning, had signed up for class and was actually really excited at that time. Edmonds Woodway High School had one of the best baseball programs in, the, uh, in Wesco uh, uh, High School, er that area. And uh, I actually had a brother, Matt Manning, I don't know if he's watching, but I, had, I was riding the curtails of my brother because he was a shortstop, point guard, quarterback, and he was younger than me, way better than me. Uh, and, and this coach thought, oh, Manning, I got him, right? And sure enough, I obviously wasn't going to try out for the baseball team. But, uh, but what had happened is that the, all of us had gathered into this class uh, not knowing what we had uh, or not, not realizing where, wh what we were experiencing, what we're in, and what we had signed up for. Uh, like a lot of the people in the class, uh, 
this wasn't something that I had, I had spent the time, I had registered. If you've registered for college, you know that, that like to get into a class and then have to cancel a class and find another class that fits is like nearly impossible. And so as a handful of us in that class hoped to get our two credits of PE, that wasn't the case because quite frankly, over half of us weren't gonna try out for the team, weren't gonna be a part of that. And so the class dwindled down. I think there were seven students after, um, after the tuition had gone through and after everything. And so I, I say that because for us in life, oftentimes we can find ourselves in a position where we don't realize uh, what it is that we're in the midst of. Or maybe uh, you've been in a similar position where you feel like you've lost your way, like I experienced at the beginning, or, uh, and, and you might have a clue how you got there, you might not have a clue how you got there, uh, or that you signed up for a certain way of life. Uh, in your life, you thought, man, this is what is going to be the outcome of what I desire and what's going to come through, what's going to be laid out for me in my life. And when I'm five years from now, 10 years from now, two years from now, whatever it may be, um, that is what's going to happen. And you find yourself in a position where you're like, that isn't what I thought it was going to be. That isn't what I hoped it to be. That maybe you had even uh, sat down and paid the dues to get to the point where you're at, but then you realize that you're just not where you thought you would be. And so my hope for us in the next few weeks as we start in this new series uh, together, as we answer some of those Questions that through looking at our mission uh, as a church, our mission as individuals, uh, the calling that God has put on our life as the like church, capital C church, or the calling that uh, He's put on our life as CTK Sudden Valley, as this little church that's nestled in the forest here in Sudden Valley, and we gather together in a dance barn. Um, uh, and we look at the idea of as Christ followers, if we've put our faith and hope in, in Jesus and in God and our creator of all things, if we do that, this is what scripture tells us about our mission, our value, our worth, our direction, what we should be doing as the church. And so my hope for us this morning in, in the next few weeks is that we get some of those uh, some of those questions answered for us. Uh, this morning, specifically, we're going to focus on just a portion of it, but our mission statement as a church is this. Our mission is to create uh, authentic, Christ-centered communities that love God wholeheartedly and reach out intentionally so that other, others experience a new life in Jesus and a transforming life of discipleship. Uh, as a network of Christ the King churches— if you didn't know, uh, we're a part of six other Christ the King churches. Uh, we operate individually here in Sudden Valley uh, uh, in our community specifically um, uh, for what God has called us to do here, but we're then ultimately supported and not supported. We're uh, encouraged and together with the same mission statement with six other Christ the King churches, Ferndale and downtown and Bellingham and and us as pastors lead the direction of where we're going. But individually, we work that out here in Sudden Valley as to who we are and what God has for us. And at the beginning of that mission statement is this, a Christ-centered, authentic Christ-centered community. And that's kind of what I want to focus on this morning for us is this idea of Christ-centered community. 
Uh, it's the start of our mission statement. It's the anchor, honestly, of everything uh, as the church, as Christ followers, as individuals within the church. Uh, and, and if you're visiting with us and you don't know, or if you're watching online and you're like, man, you know, I'm watching from California, or I'm watching from my parents in Edmonds, like, this stuff translates to where you're at in your life. Um, especially the anchor that is a Christ-centered community. Uh, and a Christ-centered community is, is how we operate. Our focus as a church, as focus as individuals, is around Christ at the center. Or, you've heard it before said, uh, it's centered around the gospel. The gospel message. in uh, the gospel being the life death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the meaning of that for us, and I heard it put this way, is the gospel is, uh, is what it is. It's because you and I are condemned in our sin, and Christ came to, came to earth to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He paid the price. He lived the perfect life, died the perfect death in our place so that we could be forgiven uh, in our place, where we're at here on earth. And this is another good way to put it, and this might be something you want to write down uh, this morning, but the gospel of Christ, the gospel is uh, Christ's work for us, not our work for Christ. I think oftentimes it's so easy for us to get focused on what we have to do to earn or be a part or... No. The gospel in itself, at its core, what we focus on is Christ's work for us, what he did for each one of us individually. Um, Christ's life, death, and resurrection is at the core of everything we believe. Without uh, any one of those legs, his life, his perfect life he lived for us, the death he died for us on the cross, and his defeat of the grave for each one of us, without any one of those three parts of what would be a stool with three legs, it would all crumble. It would all fall apart. And, and we even recently talked about the validity and the truth to that uh, historically and throughout Scripture. And so uh, uh, his perfect life lived and the sacrifice he paid for each one of us um, is, is, is at the core of, of our Christ-centered community. Uh, and, and today we're going to camp out in 1 Corinthians. And so if you have your Bible, you can break it out. If you have your phone, you can open it up. Uh, if you need a Bible, please let me know. I'd love to get you a Bible. But 1 Corinthians is, is where we're going to land, which is after the Gospels, the stories of Jesus' life that he walked here on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's a bunch of letters to the church. And so the, this letter specifically, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he, he writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. And I love this. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And Paul says this because he wants us to understand. Paul is one of the most prolific writers in the uh, New Testament. And, and we talked about this a handful of weeks ago, is that the, the Bible was penned by man, but uh, it was uh, originated and driven by uh, God, divinely written by God. And so um, Paul uh, writes this letter to the church at Corinth, uh, God leading him. And, uh, and here in 1 Corinthians 15, he writes, 
Uh, what I'm about to say to you is of first importance. Paul says that for one of two reasons. One, what we can derive from this is that Paul actually believes that there are more than, there's more than one thing that is uh, important. There's a lot of things that are important. But this, right here and now, this is of first importance. And what he says after that is that cried Christ died for your sins in accordance to Scripture. He was buried, and then he was raised on the third day according to Scripture. And that is of first importance. Earlier in Corinthians, Paul actually writes these words. Uh, in, in the same letter, he writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Christ and him Crucified, And so Paul is saying here that, um, that the very most important thing is Christ's life, death, and resurrection for us. Understanding that. And then he says there that uh, the only thing, the only thing, if I could only focus on one thing, it would be Christ and him crucified. It would be the gospel. And we know, if you know your Bible, if you've read it all, or if you've listened to last week's sermon and the sermon before, there's a lot of important things in the Bible. There's, I mean, the, you know, some people call it the, the how-to guide of life, or the, uh, the, you know, life for dummies, or you can read this up and get any answer that you want. And that's relatively true. There's, there's things written in here, there's truth written in here for all aspects and walks of life. But we know, actually, just even from Paul's writings, that Paul actually has taught a lot of things, more than just Christ and him crucified. Even though he says that, uh, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul wrote some of the greatest lessons in the Bible. In Galatians, he talked about not living to please man. You heard me say that. That's, that's one of my biggest struggles, to please other people rather than even sometimes focusing on, 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 on Christ. Uh, in chapter 9 of Corinthians, he writes about being humble, humble and, and not elevating yourself above other, other people. That's a very scriptural truth that Paul talks about, putting other people before yourself in all things, especially in our marriages, when, with our children, and with those that we're reaching out to in Christ. Putting them above yourself is actually great, a great biblical lesson that, that he's taught. In Ephesians, Paul talks about how we were created. And Paul also teaches the lessons of how God can use anybody, right? Paul is quick to say, man, I'm the worst of the worst, but God still chose to use me. That no one is beyond God's grace. You can't uh, run out from under God's grace. Paul talks about our past not defining us. Paul talks about finding quiet time and getting away. Paul talks about caring for others, being content. He talks about standing firm. He's got great lessons. But Paul says here in the letter, he would rather know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. And for me, I love the human side of the Bible. I love that you can pick your Bible up and you can read things that you relate to. It becomes true to you. And, and, uh, and you might think, well, you know, obviously in this scripture of Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul's exaggerating because he teaches a lot of great stuff. He's exaggerating, saying the only thing I need to know is Christ and him crucified. That isn't the case. As much as, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I talk quite a bit. 
uh, I often tell stories at home and I often get made fun of at home. There are stories that I tell that Kobe can actually mouth word for word the words that are going to come out of my mouth before I say it. And so oftentimes I'm known to exaggerate a little bit. You know, the fish was actually like this big. Uh, you know, when it comes to comes to this stuff, when it comes to telling stories, when it comes to uh, communicating, oftentimes we're like, ah, I want people to uh, really pay attention, so I'm going to like exaggerate a little bit. But that's not what Paul's doing here in this text. He's not saying, only thing I need to know is Christ and him crucified as a way of saying uh, you should just focus on that. That's not necessarily true. What Paul is saying here actually is that he's not exaggerating, and he wants what I want us, what I, what I felt I want to understand, and what I, what I want you to understand this morning, is that in our lives, in our everyday lives, our work, whether it's, I don't know, if you go out to the refinery and you work at the refining refinery, or maybe Saturday, yesterday was the day that you, uh, that you were on the pitch, like soccer, I learned that lingo, that soccer field is called a pitch, Anyways, if you're coaching, uh, if you're coaching on the weekend, or uh, my kids went to Friday night football, they went to the Bellingham High School Friday night football game this week, um, or uh, Sunday morning and you're rooting for the Seahawks, uh, and this is where picture in picture, like turn on the volume at home, you want to listen, turn on the volume. Um, uh, our, our, or our raising of our children, our prioritizing of our schedules, the grocery store trips you take into town, uh, the, uh, whether you answer phone calls for a living, uh, or uh, your interactions with neighbors, uh, your interactions with your family, your school, your work, uh, the purpose and meaning and call and direction you have at your life, whether you're a mom, you're a doctor, you're an EMT, you're a clerk, you're a substitute teacher, uh, the way you view your life and yourself, all of it, what Paul is saying here, all of it, everything is connected and affected, should be affected by the gospel. That if at your core you understand what Christ did for you, what he did on the cross and what he did in defeating the grave, defeating death, if at the core you know what that is, it should affect everything in your life. Every decision you make, every road you take, every, um, I don't know, everything in your life should be affected by the gospel. So when Paul says, if I only knew Christ and him crucified, that is enough. And it would infiltrate and affect everything. You know that God loved you enough that he sent his son to die for you in your, in your place. That, that love produced the perfect sacrifice of which we didn't deserve. That in that perfect storm, the grace of God giving us not what, you know, the grace being we get what we don't deserve, the love and affection and acceptance and desire that God still has for us. And the mercy of God, which is God withholding what we do deserve and allowing Christ to be the substitute for that, that God's ultimate love and his power through Christ in defeating the grave, that that would be where we would have direct access to the Father. And that through God's Spirit, we would know and understand the meaning and purpose of life of which we could grasp and begin to understand the gospel 
in every single aspect of our life and the impact that it has in everything. And you can put it this way, which you've often heard me say, that God loves you enough to send his son to die for you in his place, and he loves you right where you're at today. But He loved you in doing that, but he loves you enough that he wants impact in your life, and he loves you enough that he would not want you to stay where you're at right now. And we'll get to this in the end where God continues to work through this. I'm a big equations guy, so I want to know, you've heard me say it before, I'm a lister. Like I'm going to list all the things I need to do. I'm going to directions. If I have a clear list of things I need to do, I'm going to do them. Um, if you put it this way, Paul would say, and, and Jesus would attest to this in his life, that if, one, you would understand the gospel, and that, two, if you would apply that to our lives, the outcome or the equal would be that, uh, and, and, and uh, solve wasn't the right word because oftentimes we think solving, there's an end product that is produced. Like we get all of the answers, which isn't true. We know that isn't true. We don't have all the answers of this, of this side of heaven. We don't. But we get what we get in that, the equal would be we get an understanding for all of life's situations. We get a constant and a truth that we talked about at the beginning of service. Uh, something we can trust through it all that we can put our faith in. And Paul would say, and he explains it further in, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 through 11, says, uh, by the grace God has given me, again, grace being uh, getting what we don't deserve, the love and, and blessings of a father who knows that, man, we're going to fall short daily, hourly, minutely, um, but yet still, uh, he gives us that grace, uh, Christ living his life for us, and that gospel ultimate display of grace. So by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is in Christ Jesus. And for us, this is, again, you got to be reminded, this is a letter to the church. This is a letter to those that are following Christ. He's saying that uh, by the grace given to God, there's already been a foundation that has been laid. And that foundation is the gospel. That foundation, the core at it all, is the gospel, is Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And that foundation is there, and, 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 and we build from that foundation. He says, the church, the people, us Christians, Christ laid the foundation for us, and anyone who builds on that foundation will be in line and knowing the understanding of the utmost importance that it plays in every aspect of your life. And here's the deal, church, because I, I love this uh, for a few reasons. One, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of me and puts it back with you, because what Paul here says, each one should build on it with care. Or in the ESV, it says, let each one take care of how he builds upon it. You get to be the one that builds on the foundation that is Christ. And church, I, wanna, I want you to hear that with the idea of empowerment. That, that God wants to empower you to build your life. To allow you, we are so different. Me and you, and me and you, and we're different. 
And as, 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 as we talk about truth and trust and faith and what is uh, the, 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 the Bible and everything that is in it being true, we still get to be unique and empowered to build on it. And so for us, um, what we often can do is build a life that isn't on the foundation of Christ. That we've kind of like, okay, Christ laid a clear foundation for us, and we kind of, you know, took our Legos and, and built a little bit to the left. And we're like, we're going to build this up and create this and, and, and get this life. And it might not even be like a bad situation or anything like that. But what Christ is saying is here, we should take care and take and, and, and heed to understand what we are building our life on, the foundation that is in Christ. And if we build on that, that is where we gain that understanding and knowledge and truth of who God wants us to be. And Paul talks about this, and what he means by him is the responsibility of building on the right foundation in our lives, building on the truth that it is. And Paul actually says it's crazy because Paul in himself is willing to set all of his build aside. He's willing to set aside everything, and he says it. He's, and, he, and he acted it out in his life. He's willing to set it all aside for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus and him being known. He's willing to, to give it all up. Paul says, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To those under the law, I became under the law. To those outside the law, I became outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. And Paul's making this list, and he's saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. He's willing, he's willing to set aside everything that he desires, that he knows inside is what he wouldn't do or, or what he would struggle with. He's willing to set that aside for the sake of the gospel, and he's willing to set aside all things to further the gospel in order that Christ would be known above all else. Here's a list for you. Are, you. are you willing to set aside your comforts? Are you willing to set aside your preferences in life? Are you willing to set aside, oh, and you've worked hard. You've worked really hard. Are you willing to set aside that of which you've established and worked hard to create life? You've, there's blood, sweat, tears in it. Are you willing to set that aside? Paul sets aside his ethnicity and culture, even. Are you willing to set aside your, what you feel culturally you have a right to, or your, uh, whatever is at the core of what you believe your people to, to be or do, your family even? And you knew it was coming. Willing to set aside your politics your beliefs on how you feel this world should operate and, and how you know, entrenched you are in those things, are you willing to set that aside? How many of us, how many of you, I ask myself this question all week. Are you really truly winning to set anything aside or everything aside? anything or everything aside for the sake of the gospel. Just let that sit there for a second. 
Are you willing to set anything and everything aside for the sake of the gospel? The sake of what Christ did for each one of us. Huge. There's a lot of things in my life I really love and care for. I even think there's things that God's given them to me. But I would be willing to set it aside. Chapter 9, verse 23, he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them its blessing. I do all things in line with and from the foundation that is the gospel. That's the desire of his heart. You know that Paul didn't do all things. I love that the Bible's written in a way that it keeps all the characters in there that are just like me that mess up and don't get it right all the time. But am I willing to pursue that? Paul says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. It doesn't matter how much good you've done all along the way, right? Separate from the gospel, you're still on the wrong foundation. You're still lost. separate from not receiving the fact that Christ paid your penalty. We cannot serve, we cannot give, we cannot do enough good to earn the way because it's already been paid. We cannot champion the greatest cause on this planet that needs to be pushed forward and further than it ever has before we cannot champion that cause to qualify us. We can't attack solving the homeless problem we have here in Bellingham, we have in Whatcom County. I have like a good friend who's like attacking the homelessness in Bellingham. They're lost. Crushing it with the houses on Lakeway and homelessness will not solve, will not, will not qualify you. World hunger, fighting oppression, that's biblical. Fighting for the oppressed is biblical. I can't fight for the oppressed enough to earn my way, to qualify me in. None of that separate from Christ will fulfill the work that Christ did for each one of us. Gathering up all the knowledge in the world, like being the smartest person of which I am far from. We've already established that first line of the message, right? Gathering up all the knowledge in the world, achieving level 10 of status of understanding and knowledge in life will not level you up in eternity and give you access to anything that Christ already paid for and, always, and is already offering you. And I love, I love the way Paul puts it because... I will do all of it for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. And that's the understanding that I want in my life. We go back to that question of, are you willing to set it aside? And if you're like me, you've got that list of things that you're like, yeah, I could probably do it, but really I can't. Oh, yeah, I could, do, I could give that up, but really I can't. And the understanding that Paul has in that sense, he says, 
that I might share with them in its blessing. Giving that up, uh, willing to set it all aside, you share in the blessings that is the gospel and the hope that we have in Jesus and what he did for us. That's what is the outcome of that, is the blessings that he gives us. We can do it all, achieve it all, we can straight kill it at life, and it's not enough. We can have the best of life, we can be the front runner in social change, an amazing job with the greatest achievements, we can love our kids and our wives at unparalleled levels of anybody in our, in our sphere of influence, not gonna do it. We can come up with the cure of all cures, not gonna do it. But separate from the gospel and the love that God displayed through Christ for each one of us, we are lost. And Paul uses the language that we're, at another, at another time he uses this uh, present tense where he says we're building, we're living the gospel out. We're building the gospel out. And that's what we do when we build on that foundation. We continue to build. There's not, uh, you know, uh, there's not a prayer, I and mean, you've heard me say it before, the ABCs. I admit I've fallen short. I believe that Christ died for my sins, and I commit my life to them. Oftentimes we can get focused in on, well, I did that. I prayed that prayer, and now I've got my fire insurance, or I've got my— Paul actually says in this understanding of, like, it's a blessing to continue to build on that foundation. It's a blessing to continue to build on what God desires for us. Continuing to build on that foundation and living it out. And so for church, for us, church, we have the opportunity to, at the core of what we believe as a church, at the core of what we believe uh, as Christ followers, that have, those of us put our faith and hope and trust in Christ, at that core is the foundation of the gospel. And from that we can create authentic, Christ-centered communities that love, and we'll get into this, love God wholeheartedly and reach out intentionally, not focused on that, focused on the Christ-centered communities, that we would experience a new life in Jesus and a transforming life of discipleship. And we'll get into the discipleship too because I love that God does that through relationships. And so I want to encourage you this morning, I'm going to invite the band to come back up I want to encourage you to do a to do a self-analysis of your life. We all live our life. You guys have chosen to this Sunday morning for the hour and 15 minutes to, to give this up in worship and in 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 and reap the benefits of the blessings of coming together as God's people. But what I would love for you to do is take an analysis of your life and ask yourself, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's uh, kids, whether it's the Seahawks, whether it's whatever it may be, what are the things in your life you think you'd struggle with giving up for the sake of the gospel? And giving up is not like quitting it. Oftentimes we can focus on like, I'm going to just quit that. Like, no. 
It's the focus of building it on the right foundation. Building it from the truth that Christ has for us. So as we close with these last two songs, and as we kind of go out from here, I would love for you to just listen, sing and worship, but allow God to speak into the truth that he desires for you to build upon his foundation and the importance of what Christ did for each one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your desired uh, pursuit of us, for, your, for the relationship that you desire from each one of us. Lord, we praise you for all that you've done for each one of us, Lord. It's hard to even comprehend the penalty that you paid for each one of us, Lord, but in it, is a, in, in it at its core, is the blessings that, that flow from a life built on your truth. And so this morning, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters and for myself that we would focus in on who you are, what you did for each one of us, Lord, and that we would desire to press in and build on the foundation of which you have laid for us. Lord, speak to each one of us. Continue to speak to each one of us as we close in these songs and as we go out from here in your truth. I pray this in your name.